All right, well, good morning, New Life Church. So good to see you guys today, full of energy, full of life. That's awesome. Second Sunday of this new year. How many of you were uh, able to be with us last Sunday morning, first Sunday of the year? Yeah, powerful. Powerful time uh, last week, uh, and uh, just uh, taking it opportunity to pray uh, New Year's blessings on every person who was able to be here, and um, and and so um, I pray that you take that to heart. What the Lord spoke to you personally, uh, what He spoke to us as a church body, and um, and so we're going to talk some more about that as well. But listen, let me invite you to open up the Word of God to. The Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2 today. And we're going to, uh, we're going to read a few verses here, and as I've titled today's message, A New Year, Passions and Priorities, Passions and Priorities. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. You can also follow along on the screen if you don't have something to look at. Let's read the word. It says, every year, can you say every year? Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Imagine that. Jesus' parents, they didn't miss him at first. Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But they didn't, but when he didn't show up that evening, somebody called DCS. says they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends verse 45 says when they couldn't find him they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there three days later what's well, a long time three days later they finally discovered him in the temple where was he at it's the church yeah temples the church what was he doing? Playing kickball? Basketball? Now he said he was sitting among the religious teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed. Can you say amazed? They were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his parents didn't know what to think. His mother said, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching everywhere for you and he said but why did you need to search didn't you know that I must be in my father's house this is where I belong so, but they didn't understand what he meant the last two verses then Jesus returned to Nazareth with his parents and he was obedient to them and his mother stored all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Let's pray today over this. 
God, thank you for today and your word. I pray right now that your word would be alive to us, that Holy Spirit, you would illuminate the scriptures and let them be food for our spirits, let them be drink for our souls. And God, your word is life-giving and life-changing, so I pray that you would do just that today. Help us to gain more insight into who you are as we listen in and look at your word. And help us, Lord, to grow and to be changed by you. Lord, I pray right now our hearts will be open. Help us to receive what it is you want to speak to us today. Help us to not be stubborn or obstinate or prideful. But help us to be humble right now so we can receive grace. Your grace. We thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for the presence of God to be here and to be with our children in their classes. Minister to us one and all. We ask and pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. 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 Well, listen, I said I titled today's message, A New Year, Passions and Priorities. And by the way, thanks, Jake, worship team. You girls, you sounded awesome today up there. Appreciate your heart of worship to just worship and help to lead us into the presence of God. Here's a, here's a scripture. I want you to look at the screen. Isaiah 43, verse 19. The prophet Isaiah, he said this. He said about the Lord. He said, Behold, I will do a new thing. Can you say a new thing? He says, Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The word new there says, behold, I will do a new thing. The word new there in the Hebrew literally means this. It means fresh of this year. Can you say fresh? Fresh of this year. So here's what the Lord is saying. He said, I will do a fresh thing this year. How many of you really truly want the Lord to do a fresh thing in your life this year? Amen. He truly wants to move in our life. And every year we have that opportunity. The calendar rolls around, a new year kicks in, and different ones, you know, we might make promises, commitments, resolutions, or what have you about this, about this new year and different things to that nature. But really what God's looking for is that our hearts would be open to Him. Because if our hearts are open to Him, then He can truly do this fresh thing in our life this year. And so the prophet Isaiah is letting us know, and he's speaking, he said, the Lord is telling us, he wants us to know, it's a special word that he says, hey, I will do a fresh thing in your life this year. That last year, may, that the good from last year was good, but we need God's fresh work in our hearts in this new year. If we're going to accomplish what God has, if we're going to step into what the Lord has, and we're going to be faithful to the purpose that God has for our life, then we need the Lord's fresh help in our life this year. Would you say amen to that? That's right. And so every year we have this opportunity for God to do this new thing, this fresh thing in our life. And I think oftentimes for that to happen, it's contingent upon us, his people. What are we going to do about it? Because he asked the question here, he said, I will do a new thing, a fresh thing in your life this year. And he says, hey, do you not know it? In other words, do you perceive that God, are you aware that God wants to do a fresh thing? 
See, if you're not aware that he wants to do it, then you're not going to be a, uh, in a position to be a recipient of the fresh thing that God wants to do in your life. So right off the bat today, go ahead and understand this. Wherever you're at in your life right now, whatever's going on with you right now in your spirit, soul, or body in your life, whatever's happening, go ahead and make a conscious decision that you want to be aware that God, I'm aware that you want to do a fresh thing. In fact, can we just say that together? Just say, God, I'm aware that you want to do a fresh thing in my life, in our church, this year. That we don't, I don't, that's good, you don't have to say anymore. I don't want to get on going past this year. I don't want to get June, July, August, September, December 31st and look back and be like, God, what happened to the fresh thing, God? That we need to not only be aware, but then we need to live aware. Amen? We, I think oftentimes, yeah, we do have faith and we put the onus on the Lord, but the Lord also says, hey, if you want me to truly help you, then you got to live aware that I want to help you. Right? And so he, he goes on and he says that. He says, did you not know it? Do you even perceive that God wants to move in your life? And so last week... At the beginning of every year, what we like to do is take time and pray over every household, every family, uh, special blessings for the new year. And last, last week, we had friends of ours who were here that helped us do that. A lot of you, if, if not all of you who were present, you, re you should have received some kind of prayer, some kind of touch from the Lord. And a lot of you received a lot of personal prophetic words uh, from him. So all right now I'm going to ask everybody who received a word to go ahead and come up and let me know. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. I'm just messing with you. But God did speak to you. And here's what he, he, he spoke when he speaks prophetically. Look at this statement. It was brought to us. He said, the prophetic word is how God calls us into the future. The prophetic word is how God calls us into the future. In other words, like he told Isaiah here in chapter 43, and Isaiah said this, that God wants to do a fresh thing in our life this year. So meaning, God's gonna say, God is saying, I'm calling you to what lies ahead, a fresh thing in your life. The prophetic word is how God calls us into the future. So here's the question for us today. How are you and I, how are we as a church, how are we as people going to move forward in what God has for us? for our life this year? How can that happen? How are we going to move forward into what God has? Well, I think this, this story we just read about Jesus, his parents, uh, in Luke chapter 2, it sheds some light on, really, I, I'm going to break it into two things, and two really aspects of our responsibility, our own responsibility as to how God wants to work his fresh thing in our life this year. Two things that you and I are responsible for, okay? So we're going to look at these two things. The first one is this. The first one is this. If you and I are going to move forward into what God has for us this year, this fresh thing of God, then there's the first thing. That we must pursue God with passion. We must pursue God with passion. The Apostle Paul told his protege, Timothy, he, said, he told him, he said, look, I know you've got faith in you, Timothy, but here's the thing, man. I'm, gonna re I'm reminding you today to stir up the gift of God. Another translation says, fan into flames the spiritual gift that is on the inside of you. 
Because God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound, disciplined mind. In other words, Timothy, if you want God to be real in your life and you want him to be fresh in you, then Timothy, you have the responsibility. In church, we have the responsibility to stir up, to fan into flames that red hot fire of the Holy Spirit in our life if we want to see the freshness of God work in us. You and I must take ownership and take responsibility for our spiritual condition. That if we want to see the fresh thing of God, then we have to stir it up. We have to fan it into flame. We must pursue God with passion. And nothing stirs and ignites passion for God than like prayer and fasting. Nothing does that. And so you should have a card, at least at every other chair close to you. If you don't have one of these, grab one of these that are near you. If your neighbor's got it, wrestle them for it right now. Go ahead and drop the DDT on them and get it from them. If you're unfamiliar with that, that's an old school wrestling move that I learned a long time ago. And don't make me use it on you, all right? Looking at her, getting out of her seat, walking across the aisle. And say, I'm going to get my card. I saw you slap that person. Man, they're out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> awesome. So you've got one of these cards. And on the back, uh, it just basically says, what can I do? We just kind of broke this down, try to make it understandable and simple, and not to freak out about stepping into a time of prayer and fasting as a church. One of the reasons we like to do this as a church every year is because there's power in numbers. There's power in numbers and there's strength in unity. Okay? And so knowing that the other people in our congregation are doing something, that it gives us faith and courage to actually join in and it'll build your faith and it'll strengthen you. Okay? Now here's the thing about this. First of all, I just want to tell you this. It's not on the card. It's just free here. Okay? Don't make it legalistic. Okay? Don't make it legalistic. Don't, don't, in other words, don't make yourself try to do more than you honestly think you can do. That does not also, that also means this, but also stretch yourself. Stretch yourself to a degree. Put yourself out there to, in the Lord's hands and say, I'm going to do something this, these 21 days. Okay? And we're going to get to that in a second. But here's the thing. What can I do? Well, first of all, just set some time aside throughout the day as you, especially as you start your day, if you've got the day shift and you're working the day shift, your day's just starting, then take a little time before you get ready and head out the door to focus. People call that the quiet time. Take some quiet time, a few minutes before, and here's what you can do. The, the second thing you can do is you can read some devotionals that, that, uh, that we've prepared for you. Pastor Prentice, Lindsay, myself, we've put together 21 devotionals for you. They're on our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. It's right here on the card. Go to our website every day, and you can pull up a devotional. Go to it. It's at the, kind of at the bottom of the screen. It's the blog, and it'll pull up. You'll see a graphic for it, and you can read a devotional every day. It's not 
They're not designed to take, you know, 30 minutes to read. They're about five minutes, get the scripture, get some thoughts that we put together, and it just to kind of start our thinking for the day and to start to think about our life in that, in that way. So if you've got the night shift and you work at night, so you're sleeping during the day before you go to work at night, then the same, same scenario, same practice. Take a few minutes before you leave and head out for the evening if you can and try to do that, okay? So, what that does, that helps us to be mindful, aware, thinking, and praying. And it, what that does, it begins to ignite passion within us for the right things, for the godly things, for the kingdom of God, for the Lord. Okay? And then at the end of our fast, on the 30th, we have corporate prayer. At 10 a.m. here, we'll meet together. And to just bring all of this together, a culmination, a crescendo of our unified prayer and fasting to pray at 10 a.m. on that Saturday. And then, lastly, is just decide, hey, I'm going to fast something in these 21 days. It might not be for the whole 21 days. It might be for you 21 minutes. It depends on where you're at. We don't like to put out stipulations and put a list of everything that we think you should fast. You're big enough to make some decisions on your own like this, so you decide between you and the Lord, what is it that I need to be fasting? Okay, it's going to be different for all of us. Obviously, a true, uh, and for all intents and purposes, a true biblical fast is, it involves food, so not eating certain foods uh, throughout that time. But you do, listen again, do what the, you and the Holy Spirit, you know that the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, this is what's captivating your time and your attention, and if you'll give this up, you'll see me show myself strong in your life. All right? And Lindsay prayed about it earlier, about believing for things this year. Folks, when we, when we start to um, do these certain things like this and pray and fast, it gets God's attention. Okay, but here's the thing. You don't fast unto whatever it is you are wanting. You fast unto God. And when we fast and pray unto God, then God will move in our life. And I'm going to talk more about that next week, but I just wanted to start it off. One of the things that will ignite passion in our life is prayer and fasting. Amen? And here's the thing. When we seek the Lord, when we pursue Him with passion, then we won't lose sight of Him. His parents lost sight of him. And they assumed that he was with some other people in the group. And I don't want to live an assuming Christian life. I want to know that I know that I know. Like Paul said, I am persuaded that he is able to guard and keep my life until that day he comes. That I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is with me that I have not only faith, but I have the confidence to believe that I, my life is in the trajectory of God. So I don't want to live assumed. I don't want to live this year losing sight. I want to keep my eyes, as the, the writer of Hebrews says, keep your eyes focused on Jesus this year. See, if we pursue him with passion and we pray and we're seeking him, then the Lord will be in our sight. And I just want to encourage you, that when you do that, you won't lose sight. Maybe some of you are here today and you've lost sight. You've kind of lost your way, kind of the bearings about certain things. And the Lord is saying, look, if you'll begin to pursue me, you will see me. And that leads me to the next thing. They, they sought him and they found him. 
His parents looked for three days. They went back to where they thought he might be, went back to Jerusalem, and they sought him, and they found him. And here's what the Lord says. Look at this scripture on the screen, Jeremiah 29, 13. It's in the, it's in the whole package of, of the Jeremiah 29, 11 stuff that a lot of us like to read and it puts on cards and all this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. And here, here's what he says. He says in verse 13, if you look for me, what? Wholeheartedly, then what? you will find me. And here's the thing behind this, this statement that, that the Lord has Jeremiah say. This is in a time when the nation of Israel were in exile to Babylon. They were going to be in this period for 70 years. And the Lord told Jeremiah to tell the people, he said this, he said earlier in this part, he said, tell them, look, they just need to go ahead and settle down where they're at, buy a house, build a family, work a job, and all these things, however, but don't get caught up in the culture that's around them. They're going to be here for a while. Does that sound familiar? We're going to be here for a while, excuse me, in this world, but you buy a house, build a family, work a job, do your thing, but here's the thing, don't get caught up in becoming like the culture around you. And he says, in the middle of where you're at, if you will seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. And then in the New Testament, you cross the bridge, and uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says this, if you will seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, then he will give you everything you need. He there is God. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, then God will make sure that he gets you everything you need. In a time when you're worried about life, in a time where you're worried about safety, in a time where you're worried about eating, in a time where you're worried about having certain amenities in life, your needs met, Jesus is right here telling us, look, in a world of uncertainty, if you will seek the kingdom of God first above all else, then I'm going to make sure I take care of you. That's just how God works. He might do it in unorthodox ways, but nonetheless, he keeps his word in our life. If we will seek the kingdom of God and we will seek him, if we will seek him and find him, we will find him. And then it says this, his, his family, when they found him, it said everybody who heard him, heard Jesus speaking in the church, said they were amazed. They were amazed at his understanding and they were amazed at his answers. Here's the thing that I want to I build your faith in this year about expectation. Pursuing God with passion. That if you will purposely pursue the Lord, He will ignite passion within your heart. And as you seek Him, you will find Him. And when you find Him, He will amaze you. Said so Jesus will amaze you. He amazed these people. That word amaze in the Greek means this, to astonish. It means to be out of one's mind. In other words, it means to blow your mind. Anybody's mind ever been blown? You've just been like amazed at something? Like if you bought the winning Powerball ticket and you won $1.3 billion? You'd probably be, pretty, just, I'm, you'd probably be a little excited, wouldn't you, if you did that? Whatever, I'm not, I'm not saying go do that. I'm just saying mind-blowing. That's the way God is. That's the way Jesus is. 
that if we will seek him, we will pursue him with passion, and we will put ourselves out there. Lord, here I, here I am. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together, God. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly about my life, but here's the reality of where I'm at. Today, I'm intent on seeking you with my whole heart. And if we are intent on seeking the Lord with our whole heart, pursuing him with passion, we will find him, and when we find him, he will blow our mind. That Jesus this year wants to blow your mind. And what were they amazed at? What was their mind blown at? That he had understanding and he had answers. Here's what I want to tell you about being amazed this year by God. Is that he has an understanding for your life. He has an understanding for the context of your situation. He has an understanding about the position of yourself. And where you're at in this life right now. He, he is fully aware of your predicament. He is fully aware of your trial. He is fully aware of your decisions. He is fully aware of where you're at right now, and he has understanding. So here's the thing. If you want to have a question answered, you go and ask the question to somebody you know that can answer it for you, right? Well, who has the answers for your life? God. Jesus Christ has the answers for your life. He has an understanding about you, where you're at in your age, where you're at in your culture, where you're at on your job, where you're at with your spouse, where you're at with your kids, where you're at with money, where you're at with relationships, where you're at with your addictions, where you're at in your tribulations, where you're at in your mishaps, where you're at in your setbacks, wherever you're at, God has an understanding for your life. And he says, look, I can't give you the answer if you don't seek me first. So church, if we want God to do the fresh thing, to drop a fresh bomb in our life this year, we want him to do a fresh work in our hearts and our lives this year, then may we pursue him with passion. And when we pursue him with passion, he will amaze us. He will strictly, he will blow our mind with his understanding for our life and the answers he has for us. But we got to pursue him. He's saying, look, I got all this up here for you. I got all this package for you. I got all this ready to give you. But if you, will, if, you will, if you continue to just sit there and ignore me and passively pursue me, then there's nothing I can do in your life. There's not a freshness that I can drop on you and drop in you and work in your life. But if you will just make a decision this year to pursue me with passion, then I will do a fresh thing in your life. And I will blow your mind because I have understanding and I have answers. It's good, right? That's him. That's the God we serve. That is the Jesus we serve. That is who is alive and well, our author and the finisher of our faith. Why would we not put him first and pursue him with passion when we just hear and heard right here that he has all the understanding for our life and he has the answers for our life? If you're confused, he has understanding. He has an answer. If you're wondering, why do I keep getting into trouble the way I do? He has understanding, and he has an answer. If you keep wondering, why every time I try to take two steps forward, it seems like, man, I'm on five steps back. He has understanding, and he has an answer. But will you pursue him? Amen? Let's look at the second thing. The second thing this, this story sheds light on 
if we're talking about how we're going to move forward in God's fresh thing in our life this year. Passions, and now we're going to talk about priority. The second thing we'll say today and end with this is this. We must make God's house priority. Amen? Didn't get as many amens on that one. We must make God's house priority. His parents, it said they, they told him, he said, some we've searched everywhere but here. We went to every place but the church looking for you. Does it mean God's not everywhere? Does it mean God's not in certain things? But you will always, always find him in the church. So why, why would we make God's house second thought, last thought, a last resort when I feel like it, if my schedule allows me to, if it's convenient and I'm not tired? You know what I'm saying? And we can go on and on and on and on, but here's the thing in our heart. If we'll make, let's make God's house priority. He said they searched for him everywhere, and he told them this. He said, here's the thing. He said, why did you search everywhere? In other words, why did you waste your time looking every which way but right here? And friends, why would we waste our time trying to find God's understanding and God's answers for our life except in the church first? You're going to hear the truth. You're going to be in his presence. You're going to be with good company, fellowship of the, of the believers. You're going to be strengthened, encouraged, built up. God has prophetic word for you. God has good teaching for you. God has a good solid foundation for you. God has a plan for you. Why would we search anywhere else but right here first? Amen. He's going to be here. He is here, right here with us. And he's saying, look, Make my house priority. And he told his family, he said, why did you search everywhere? He said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? In other words, he said, parents, mom, dad, this is where I belong. And church, I want to tell you this about making God's house priority is the house of God is where we belong. We belong in God's house. I know sometimes some of us have this mindset, this mentality that, well, I'll clean my life up and I'll get all, dot all my I's and cross all my T's and just kind of get things together before I really go to present myself to God. And God's saying, look, you got it all backwards. That's why you keep finding yourself in the place you're in, less than, below than my, the, the purpose I have for you is because you think you can do it you think you can clean yourself up. You think you can make right your wrongs. And God says, no, I'm the one who does that. It's called grace. It's called grace, God's help to you. It's called grace. And he says, make my house priority because you belong here. And in a, in a, this is at 12 years old. Later at about 33 years old, Jesus has a similar conversation with his 12 disciples. In John 14, he's getting ready to go to the cross and, and bear that. And he tells them, he said, look, he said, I'm going to my father's house and we're pre I'm preparing a place for you and there are many rooms up there. In other words, there's plenty of space for you there. And he said, if it, weren't, if it weren't true, then why would I go to prepare it for you? And then when I'm done, when everything is ready, I'm going to come back and get you. 
In other words, Jesus was comforting his disciples and saying, look, you belong in my Father's house. Not only do we belong in God's house in heaven, but God on this earth is saying, you belong in my house here and now in the flesh and blood that I've given you to live in and walk in. He said, you belong in my house. And here's the thing about it. When we make God's house priority, Jesus will be real in our own house. It won't be about religion. It won't be about legalism. It won't be about putting our our best foot forward and and our most smiley, happy Christian face on, making everybody think everything's hunky-dory in our life. No, we can come safely into God's house and we can receive freely from God's grace and we can be loved and we can be helped and we can be given hope and we can be given a chance to set our feet in the right direction, set our life in the right direction by pursuing God. Not last, but first. See, when we make God's house priority, Jesus becomes real in our house. Our prayer, a lot of our prayers is, God, I need you to be real here. I need you to be showing up where I'm at. I need you to help fix my problem. I need you to be showing up in my marriage. I need you to be showing up in my single life. I need you to be showing up on my job. God, I need you to be showing up in my checkbook for real. I need you to be showing up in my kids driving me crazy. I need you to be showing up. And here's the thing, he's saying, look, make my house priority and I'll show up in your house with a priority. Amen? You need to understand, if you want God to do a fresh thing in your life, make his house priority. And Jesus will be real in our house. What happened there at the end of this story? He says he went back home with them. He went back to their house, lived with them, and he grew. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and people. Well, here's what uh, we can walk away with that, that part of, of the story about Jesus being real in our life. Here it is. We can gain wisdom for our life. We need the wisdom of God. We need God's answer, right? We need God's help. We need His guidance. He, he's, he gives wisdom. And He's like, I'll be real in your house if you'll be real in my house. Make my house priority I'll make your house priority and show up in a real way and give you the wisdom that you need. Come on, let's face it. Who needs wisdom? Last time I checked, there's not one person on this earth who's smarter than God. I know there's a lot of people who think they are, but no one is. But he has wisdom for our life. But then it says he grew also in stature. Here's the thing. If we want God to be real in our house make his house priority, and we will grow spiritually. Jesus will be real in our own house. We will grow spiritually and replicate Jesus to the world. In other words, you won't have to, you won't have to put on a show for neighbors. You won't have to put on a show for strangers. You won't have to put on a show for anybody else because Jesus will be real in you. And what you see is what you get, the realness of of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lamb of God, bringing about God's perfect plan and pattern and purpose in your life, and you can't figure it out on your own, so you let Him do it for you, and He will put together the pieces of your life. He will, he will restore the broken areas. He will renew the old things. He will bring a fresh thing in your life this year if you will make His house priority, and you will grow 
It's amazing to me. Christians who don't grow in Christ don't change. They stay the same. Been saved for 40 years. Still as mean as they were the day they got saved. Cuss you out the moment you turn your back. Talk about you the moment you disagree with them. Right? Short-tempered with those in their household. I mean, we, we're, we, we know what it's like. Our flesh is real. But friend, Jesus is realer. Jesus is bigger. Jesus is better. And if we will make him priority, his house priority, he will grow in us this year. We, here's the hope of that. You don't have to stay the same. You don't have to stay the same. Your countenance, literally, your countenance can change. Your countenance can be different Instead of sad and gloom and doom with what's happening in your life, Jesus can change that. Jesus can take away the fear in your heart. Jesus can take away the worry in your heart. Jesus can take away and heal the pain inside of your soul. He will grow in you. He will grow in you. But then on the other hand, I'm amazed at how many people let Jesus grow in their life. That, friend, you don't have to stay the same. You're like, man, I want stuff to be different. I want things to be changed. Then make his house priority. Continually to put yourself in his presence, in his word, and with the fellowship of the saints. And you'll be amazed. Your mind will be blown by the end of the year how far God has brought you. And then lastly, we'll get grace. It says he grew in stature, favor with people. And God, that word favor is grace, charis in the Greek, grace. You'll get God's grace. You'll get his help to live for him. Because at the end of the day, God knows, hey, you pursue me with passion. You make my house priority, but you're still going to need my help. You're going to need my grace. You're going to need my grace to stick with the choices and the commitments and the decisions you made because your flesh is going to tempt you. People are going to wear you down. And it's going to, at the, at the beginning, at the end of the day, you're going to need the grace of God to help you do what is right, what is godly. That's what His grace does. His grace helps us, equips us, and empowers us to live a godly life. Come on, you want to live godly this year? Not, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. But man, you want to aim your life in His direction. I want to live godly. Then you need His grace. And He'll be real in your life if you'll make His house priority. So pursue Him with passion. Make His house priority. It's not a whole lot to remember. But it's harder to do oftentimes, isn't it? Let's stand.